Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel. Today, we're diving into mm, <laughs> a real growth problem that is probably already happening in your business and will definitely happen as your business expands and serves more people, and that is business bottlenecks. So I've talked a little bit about this in the past in different episodes, but I really wanted to have a focused episode on bottlenecks in your business today because this is something that is alive and well for me this month. I actually spent several weeks in May focused specifically on trying to identify and solve bottlenecks in our business. So what is a bottleneck? A bottleneck is essentially what it sounds like, though that is a metaphor, of course. It is a point that narrows in your business where the flow of information, action, growth, activities is limited, right? So if you have a full bottle and all these ideas and things are flowing around, the bottleneck is a narrow place where only a few things are getting through at a time. And this is really important because in your business, chances are you have a lot of shit that you're trying to do right? (laughs) Even if you have the most holistic, chill business in the world, you still have uh, to market, to sell, to fulfill on your promises, to manage your back end, to file your taxes, right? There are a lot of moving pieces when we run a business, even if it is truly holistic. Bottlenecks can actually create urgency, create this desperation, create this overwhelm, because they are stemming the flow of action. And as a business owner, you're going to start to feel that. You're gonna feel the pressure that comes from the backlog of things not moving forward with ease in your business. And I wanna mention that in particular because I think a lot of essentially kind of management strategy, people management strategy, um, project management strategy, a lot of that feels really corporate. And a lot of what's written about it, frankly, is very corporate, (laughs) to be honest. And I think that as a result, a lot of very small business owners or micro business owners, as you know, I like to call those of us who have very, very small teams and businesses and revenues compared to full businesses, that we tend to kind of overlook that or ignore it and act like that's a problem for really big businesses, right? Oh, that's something corporations need to worry about, people who have hundreds of employees, not me and my virtual assistant, right? Or not me and myself. And you actually do. This is something not to worry about, but something to plan for, to look out for, and then to adjust and make improvements to. It may feel corporate, but this is actually one of the places where small businesses, I think, run into bigger problems because they do not anticipate this issue, and then it tends to blow up in their faces. So a business bottleneck is essentially, and in general is when you're getting in the way, (laughs) you are usually the one limiting the progress in your business. It's not usually a team member, but it can be. And it's not always easy to tell where the issue is. You know, it can feel, I think the first way to kind of crack open, how do we know that we have a bottleneck is to look at kind of the external signs, which tend to be feelings of overwhelm, feelings of, I mean, rage, feelings of I want to burn this business to the ground, feelings of I can't do this, I suck, right? A lot of these kinds of feelings can be an indicator of a bottleneck. So sometimes this looks like something like feeling like your customers have unreasonable requests of you, or maybe you've hired a virtual assistant and they're getting nothing done, right? And you're like, why aren't they getting anything done? Or maybe you're too tired or too overwhelmed to do everything on your to-do list. 
or you're starting to dread getting on, you know, calls with clients or, or meeting customers or doing a market or making a new product. If you're starting to have that sense of, oh my gosh, I just can't do this anymore. Chances are you actually have a business bottleneck. Now keep in mind, some of you are going to decide you don't want businesses. That's normal. There's some extremely high statistic of how many businesses quote fail in the first 18 months. I think fail is a strong word though. I think a lot of people realize they don't want businesses, which is totally fine. We don't all have to have businesses, by the way, that's, that's okay. But that the, the bottleneck can actually be something that exacerbates that. And I think a lot of people who have really beautiful, sustainable businesses end up quitting or pulling back because they don't realize that the issue is actually an organizational and communication issue, not an issue with them, with their will, with their ability. So for myself and my clients, I usually see three main types of bottlenecks. There are the things that you hate doing, right? These are the things that you avoid, that you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. And usually they just sit there on the to-do list forever. This is often true even if somebody else needs them from you. For a lot of people I work with, this is responding to emails. This is invoicing. This is kind of like that back-end managerial stuff, right? People are like, oh, I just can't. I fucking hate it. There's the things that you're not good at right? So these are tasks that like just end up taking a huge amount of time because they're not within your skill set. They're things that you just find overwhelming, you don't understand, you try to do it yourself and it just takes too long. For a lot of folks I work with, this is tech stuff. This is like building your website. This is making a sales page. This is, um, yeah, doing market research, things like that, right? And then there's the things that you do actually love, but you're finding that you're not getting to, right? So that's probably like creating content or, or um, yeah, sharing about your work. It might actually be, be doing your work, right? You might be so in the weeds that you're not actually seeing customers, that you're not making or selling product, that you're not running your programs, that you're not making courses. So we look at each of these three things and we wanna start by making kind of a list of what we see the bottlenecks of. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm kind of breaking it down this more simple way and then I'm gonna share a bit about what I'm seeing at kind of the higher level with, um, with a team and some of our issues. So. Make a list of all of the things that you are doing (laughs) that are causing these problems, right? Often, you know, especially when you're not doing things that you love and you're like, wait, I actually really like that part of my business. Why am I not doing that? That is an indicator of a really critical bottleneck. You've gotten so overwhelmed and so many things are kind of falling behind that it's hit this kind of critical mass and it's depressing your entire ability to do your job. So we want to start by making a list, right, of all of these things. And it might take you a week or so, right? I would just note down, oh my God, I really don't want to send an email to my mailing list, right? Write it down. I have to make a decision on a new software. Don't want to do it. I have to email back that client, but oh, I don't feel like it, okay? And make a list and then group them together by type of task. You might notice that email is a big one for you. It is for a lot of people I work with. Maybe for you, it is setting up the software you actually need to automate parts of your business. You know that it'll pay off down the road, but setting it up, you hate it. Maybe it's invoicing. Maybe it is doing your bookkeeping, whatever these pieces are. We then want to look at this and ask, what can be reduced, right? Or even deleted? Are there things here that don't need to be done that you keep on the list? This is kind of a fun one because if you haven't been doing it already, like, does it actually need to get done? Some of these things do need to be done, right? You need to send your invoices. You need to do your bookkeeping. You probably do need to email your mailing list. Um, But there might be things on the list that actually just don't need to be done that you've been assuming do, right? Or maybe something you did in an earlier phase in your business. Maybe now you actually can let it go. 
But we also want to look at what can somebody else maybe do? Because one of the big solutions to bottlenecks is asking for help. We'll get there in a second, but chances are if you're experiencing bottlenecks, you either need to delete some shit, it's not going to happen, or you need to hire somebody and get some help with it. So we want to look at this and say, where can you ask for help on this list? Once you have your list, say, where can I ask for help? Who, where can I delegate this? Who could somebody else do? I'm going to be completely honest. You know, this is the kind of thing that I heard early in my business. And I think I just didn't really understand fully um, why, you know, uh, what people were saying. And I did hire pretty early in my business. I brought on folks to help me with stuff that, you know, I couldn't do, right? A huge bottleneck for me was editing my podcast. Uh, we would not have a podcast if I were still editing it. There's no way. I hit this point where I was like, I literally can't do this anymore. And I had to make the decision to invest in an editor or else the show wouldn't happen, right? And at the time, that was really scary. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like I had the revenue to pay somebody consistently weekly to edit, but I did it. And here we are today, right? We have to look at these things and say, do we want to keep doing them or not? And if we do want to keep doing them, where can we ask for help? Most micro businesses wait too long to hire, especially just to be super candid, folks that I work with, myself included, if you have chronic health issues, if you have mental health challenges, if you are disabled, if you have another job, right? You are probably trying to do an amount of stuff that you actually cannot do. And you may not be able to do as much as productively as like some of the people on the internet that you're comparing yourself to. It's okay to need help. It's okay to need a little bit more support than maybe you think you're supposed to need. Great news is that there are people who are going to be super stoked to work with you. So group these different kinds of things together and see, is there a role here for someone? Is it, oh, I need help editing the podcast. Oh, I need somebody to write podcast show notes, right? That was the second thing that we hired for. I was like, I we will have no show notes if I have to do this. I fucking hate it. It's like my least favorite job. Um, so now we have an awesome person who does it who's great at it. <laughs> so I don't have to do it. So the show goes on. Um, emails, support inbox emails, right? And that's a really common one. That's a different, that's a position you can hire somebody for. And there are people who specialize in that as contractors. You can also bring on a super part-time employee. That's that's fine. There are a lot of people who are actually really happy to have an extra like five hours of work a week on top of something else, right? People who are looking to flesh out their income. Maybe they go to school. Maybe they have another job. They need a little bit of extra cash. You do not need to be somebody's sole provider um, in order to help them and for them to help you, okay? So we want to look at that and figure out where can we ask for help? And then finally, we do want to take a look at these things and say, which of these do I love and want to do more of? What is my favorite thing to do in my business? And to really focus on that, because when we get in this down and this kind of nitty gritty of the um, of the bottleneck, sometimes we forget why we're doing this in the first place. And I'm going to get into that in just a second, because I had to do a massive revisioning of the purpose of this company um, a few weeks ago to kind of keep us moving forward. And, you know, part of that was I think I was staring a bottleneck in the in the face and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, how do I solve this? This feels like I don't know how to do this. I, I'm overwhelmed, maybe, you know, and I mean, just my own brain being like, maybe we should just burn it down. I'm totally a burn it down kind of person, right? Um, but no, of course not, right? We have massive responsibilities. We do work that really matters. But I am a human and I have feelings. And sometimes those feelings are not super logical. And that means that we have to refocus on what we actually want to do more of. What do you want to spend your time doing in your business? The more clear you get on that, the easier it's going to be to fill the, the holes in your processes and in your team 
that are getting in the way of you doing the things that you're great at. So we need to go through all of those steps in order to really understand how to address the bottleneck, right? So again, step one, make a list of all of the fucking things that are getting in the way, all right? List them out. What are you avoiding? Where are you pushing back due dates? What do you forget to do, even if you have reminders set? And you know, what actions, deliverables are people always waiting on you for, right? If you work with customers, are people always emailing you and being like, hey, has my order shipped? Hey, where's that invoice? right? Hey, where's the booking link for the session? Like what are those things that you're constantly getting that feedback on? And once you've identified those business activities, right? For each of these activities, we want to ask yourself, do I like hate this thing and feel like relief admitting that I'm not doing it? Am I like, oh, thank God, I'm finally just saying I'm not doing this and I hate it, right? Is there something here that I'm not skilled at that I wish somebody else would help me do? And sometimes there's an overlap there, right? Like with, for me, podcast editing, I'm not good at it and I hate it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that was an outsource, right? <laughs> Get some help. And then which of these activities do you love but find yourself surprised that you're delaying, right? Because that is really a key indicator that the bottleneck has reached a critical mass when you are no longer even doing the things that you enjoy doing in your business. And that, I think, is why a lot of these businesses, quote unquote, fail, is because people lose the joy and aren't able to do the things that they actually like. So why would you keep running a business, right? So we want to reduce automate, outsource the things that you, you know, hate, um, that you're not good at. And then that will give you more time for what you love. And I do think this happens really early in a lot of businesses, depending on your business model. If you have a business model that is very customer service focused or a business model that is very production focused, you're making physical products, chances are you're going to hit these bottlenecks sooner. If your business is primarily you doing, you know, higher end one-on-one packages, right? Where you're only booking a few clients a month, then you probably won't hit these bottlenecks as early. There are probably fewer administrative or or, th- or tasks that are kind of getting in the way, potentially, but that depends on you and your skill set and your gifts, right? And where you personally find challenges. So for, you know, dep- I, it's hard for me to say like at a certain revenue when these bottlenecks will start to emerge. I think our first ones really came up around the podcast and that was almost immediate. <laughs> that became a problem really, really fast. Uh, you know, before we were making a lot of money at all, um, yeah, you know, in maybe our second year of the podcast, I think was when I when I brought on um, some help. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a barely robust thing. We saw this happen a few times as my membership grew, and I started to feel overwhelmed by supporting the community. I really wanted to feel and do feel now full of joy when I go into our community group, when I am on my calls. I really want to show up from this place of like service and excitement and enthusiasm. But the amount of administrative work around that was overwhelming me and isn't really my skill set. I am an introvert, despite how much I talk. So for me, you know, I'm not energized by interacting with people, which means I need to really protect those spaces so that I can support um, our communities and support our customers. So that was the second place that I got a lot of help, right? The podcast, then that community management. And then recently, just a few, um, just last month, we brought on somebody full time in the company insane, right? It's so cool. We have a full, you know, there are now two people working full-time in our company. And that brought up a whole new level of bottleneck. So that's what I want to talk about. For some of you, this is probably a little bit down the road. I encourage you to stay tuning in though. I think it's really helpful to learn from people who are a few steps ahead of you so you can start to keep an eye out for these things. Honestly, I think the only reason I realized what was happening and that it was a communication bottleneck issue and not a like Sarah sucks issue, because that's where I tend to default to, 
um, was because I had heard other business owners talk about this before. So even if this sounds like you're like, I can't imagine having a full-time employee, I would definitely still listen. And those of you who do already have people working with you, this is really for you right now. So we brought somebody on and this is why I think in small businesses, this is such a big issue. And something we don't always notice is because if you've gone from one full-time person to two full-time people, right? You have now exponentially increased (laughs) the complexity of your business. Now, if you have three or four people that you're coordinating with, we have four people on our core team, two full-time, myself included, two part-time. We now have a four squared level of complexity, right? And bringing that person on full-time increased that complexity as well. So This is where it starts to get interesting is if you kind of envision it even mathematically that's helpful or just like as like a as a web, one person and one person talking to each other, there can be some complexity, of course, but you're just going back and forth, right? You don't need to check in with other people. You don't need to loop other people in. A lot of times that kind of communication happens just via email, via text, via Voxer, right? It's pretty, it can be pretty low key. But if you add another person in, now there is a triangle, right? And there, there is an additional level of complexity. And I do feel like it's kind of exponential. That, that That's what it feels like to me. And then another person, right? So big companies have to solve this problem because they rarely, I mean, at this point, they have hundreds, if not thousands of employees. There's so much complexity that they have, they have the institutional knowledge. And this is why people bring in like consultants and things like this and like apply these like very robust management systems is because of how complex this gets. But if you're used to it just being you, <laughs> adding even one person is a huge increase in complexity. So we brought somebody on full time and all of a sudden our communication broke. And I had I had known it was coming. I could tell that it was going to be an issue. First of all, I hadn't given myself the space to solve it. I don't know if I could have started to solve it if I hadn't seen it actually happen, right? Sometimes we can kind of preempt things, but sometimes we need to see, okay, how do these people communicate? And we already have a very robust um process system. We use a lot of standard operating procedures in my business, which is very helpful. So we were already kind of at a higher level in terms of organization, but just the added complexity broke the system. And I want to share that first of all, because I think this is normal. I don't think this is abnormal. And I think a lot of you have already run into this and you are definitely going to run into this, but that it really brought up a few important things. The first thing for me was this added level of, of stress, of, of management responsibility, of complexity, immediately forced me to need to reevaluate why we're doing what we're doing anyway, right? That, that shift to a really more robust team environment means that me as the business owner, as the leader, I am the person driving the boat or whatever, sailing the boat. I don't really drive boats unless they're a motorboat. And even then, I don't know. I, I Whatever. We're not going to talk about boats. Um, <laughs> that I needed to be really clear on the vision of the company. Now, I'm not saying this to suggest that I wasn't already clear on the vision of the company, but I hadn't done work there in a while. I'd been very much in kind of maintenance mode. We've been trying to figure out what our next steps are to kind of pull ourselves together for this next stage of growth. I'll be honest, it's taken longer than I want. We've been, we've been kind of on a slow roll this year. Um, putting all these pieces together. And I needed to step back and look at the whole company and remember why we do what we do. Why do we do any of this? Now, 
we do what we do because I truly believe that small businesses are one of the best bridge opportunities for people in a time of economic insecurity. That when more people have small businesses, more people have the means of production in their own hands. Um, and even if they're very small businesses, technically, yes, capitalist businesses, because you, if you have employees, but that these small businesses are tend to be community focused, that they tend to be very values and ethically driven. They don't have shareholders. Um, you know, they aren't mega profitable. Uh, ideally, though, they're paying, you know, they're paying their people and that that actually is extremely powerful and that we need people to be paid and secure in order to even start to envision new ways of interacting and um, to be, frankly, activists in whatever way is, is, you know, each person is called to be. And we work specifically with, in kind of a corporate parlance, non-traditional self-funded founders, right? We're a place for weirdos, y'all. <laughs> like, you don't have to identify with that word, but, you know, we work with healers, makers, mystics, writers, creatives, you know, uh, readers, like astrologers, people who are doing stuff a little outside of the mainstream. And a lot of us have identities or intersectional identities that are not what people think of as business owners, right? We are a lot of women. A lot of us are queer. We're a lot of people of color. We have folks with a variety of neurodivergences. And the business world is not made, it's not made for us. That's why this work matters, right? That's why I believe in what we do, because we help folks have the foundational skills to grow successful, sustainable businesses. And we do that in a community that is diverse and welcoming and that is focused on, again, non-traditional founders. But until I sat down and really let myself feel that vision fully, the idea of putting myself in some management shoes, which is not my greatest gift, to be clear. I'm very much a visionary. People management is a skill I am continuing to learn. It is not something that comes to me supernaturally. That we are actually, like that, that this matters. And I needed to recenter that in order to move into this next phase of bottleneck reduction. So I started there. And with that level of clarity and that, frankly, motivation, right? That was like me self-motivating. Why do I need to solve this problem in ClickUp? <laughs> because we have thousands of founders to help start their companies <laughs> and grow them so that they can make good money and do good work. And like, that, like that's why I need to solve this problem for this big vision, right? And from there, I had to start to really identify what those communication issues were. So I did a similar thing to what I just suggested at the beginning of this. I started making a list. I started noticing the problems that we were having. And I started to come up with really a theory of management for my company. Why do we do things the way that we do them? And for me in particular, what was really important was to clarify why I'm asking myself and a bunch of other really smart people to put so much information in a project management system for communication. And the real reason is because like, just because you're smart doesn't mean you should be carrying a bunch of like routine tasks in your active memory. You shouldn't. <laughs> By actually having very clear systems, very clear processes, very clear step-by-step -step communication methods, we're actually able to do better, deeper work because we're not trying to remember all these little tasks. We know they're going to happen. Everyone knows what their role is in each process, when that needs to occur. And that means that our brains are actually free to work on the bigger problems. 
our brains are free to support our customers more fully, right? When I have these things organized, I feel so much less overwhelmed by my responsibilities in my groups, right? I'm excited, as I mentioned before, to go into my groups. So those are some of the pieces that we're working on now. And for me, a huge part of this has been really giving myself the space to learn a little bit more about management and project management, to kind of do a deep dive in that. And, you know, that is not a top of line revenue generating activity, right? Me reading books on project management and playing around with ClickUp, not a revenue generating activity, except, except if we don't have these systems in place, we will not be able to grow. So the bottleneck is a fantastic opportunity for you to kind of put the pause on and to figure out how to support your business for the next stage of growth. And whether this is just you bringing on a virtual assistant for the first time or hiring a friend to do a little bit of work for you, or you are hiring a team member, you're going to have to do this. And ultimately, this is something that you're responsible for, especially at this stage in your business. Down the road, you might be able to hire something like an online business manager. We have one who's helped us with a lot of these systems. You might be able to hire a chief operating officer or a, an integrator is another term for that. Comes from the book Rocket Fuel. You might be able to hire somebody to essentially take your vision and organize it and bring it into action. But you're still in charge. You are still responsible. And even if you hire something like an OBM or someone to help you with these systems or processes, you are still the boss. And I think for me, what was really important this month that I want to share with you as well is recognizing that I had stepped back from some of those bossy activities, if you will, um, to be working on things like content and the stuff that I love doing and also need to do for our customers. HBA members will note that we hired someone full time and then I released two new phases in two weeks. That's not a mistake. That's because we had a major bottleneck just in terms of workload and having someone to help take care of those things uh, gave me a lot more freedom to catch up. And that was really important, right? I need to deliver on my, my service that I provide. And that was one of the reasons we needed to hire somebody to manage all these other pieces. But I also needed to step back into this role of managing my company. And a bottleneck is a really great opportunity for you to reaffirm your job, which until you get to a bigger size than probably any of us listening here are, is going to be your job. You probably need a multi-million dollar business before you are going to truly hire someone who's going to completely take over the management tier in your business. Maybe not, but those tend to be more expensive roles and you, for you to be totally just in your zone of genius, only doing visionary work, you're generally going to be a larger size, probably a seven figure business. That's just, I mean, that's a rough estimate. You do what you do what you will. So now is the time for you to start to build the systems, the processes, and to reduce the bottlenecks. It's going to help you get to whatever your next stage is, right? Whatever your goal is. It doesn't have to be a seven figure business, whatever you want. That's what matters. But that this opportunity then, instead of being a, oh my God, I suck at my business and I have to shut it down. Instead, we can look at it through a different lens and say, how can we reduce complexity, increase communication, and create systems so that even if it is just you, right, if you're doing things over and over again in your business and finding yourself overwhelmed with them, you need a system to follow. Take it out of your working memory, put it into a computer. That's what computers are great for. And start to streamline your communications so when you do bring people in, these bottlenecks are going to be easier to solve. I hope this is helpful for you heading into the week, uh, weeks ahead. I know for some of you, this is going to be very prescient. And for others, you know, this is a little bit ways off. 
But essentially, if you follow those steps on how to identify those bottlenecks, keep in mind that communication gets much more complicated the more people you add to it. And that ultimately, having step-by-step processes for how to handle things is going to free you. It's going to free you (laughs) to do what you love and to help more people. That is our key takeaway. All right. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. I will see you here next week. Bye for now.